Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the Returns Unboxed podcast. This is the podcast to help you unpack the ever-evolving landscape of returns. Here at Rebound, we've been dying to get a returns podcast off the ground for a few years now, so it's really, really great to finally be recording our very first episode. Just in case you're not familiar with who Rebound are, we're a global omni-channel returns management business, managing returns for some of the world's biggest brands. We've been around the block for some time now, well over 15 years. You've probably come across our, our name in the last few years or so. Um, but just in case, now you've got a now you've got a full brief of who we are. I'm Laura. I've been at Rebound for over five years now, and much of that time has been spent advising brands on how to craft a winning returns policy. So that means I've seen it all from the good, the bad, to the downright ugly. Plus, I'm a serial shopper, so I can offer a unique perspective that many brands may not have considered. And today, I'm joined by my lovely co-host. Hi there, I'm Chloe, and I'm going to be co-hosting this episode, as Laura just mentioned. I am the resident returns content creator at Rebound. For the last two years, I've been delving into returns research and all the details to discover solutions to the problems that brands currently face in regards to managing their returns. In this episode, we'll not only be introducing what Returns Unbox is all about, but delving into peak returns, revealing data, and mitigating pain points with return strategies that can change peak for the better, for you, and for your customers. Oh, and don't forget to listen out for our You Found What in the Box segment for the weird and wonderful tales from the world of returns. So Laura, let's look at the why of this podcast. Why did we actually decide to start a podcast in the first place? I mean, why does anybody decide to start a podcast, right? Fame and money. Is that the answer you're looking for? <laughs> sure. No, in all seriousness, returns might seem mundane on the surface. You know, what's so complicated about returns? You're just bringing a parcel back from a consumer to a warehouse, right? Wrong. Well, actually, returns are a lot more complicated than that, as you and I both know. Um, and returns logistics can be way more complex than outbound. Um, you have to deal with customs and cross-border issues. There's often a lack of visibility and um, it, there's also a lot of complexities about how to deal with returned items that are not sent back in the perfect condition, which is obviously a common occurrence for brands. Um, or worse yet, the wrong item can be sent back altogether, and that presents a huge issue for brands. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much when it comes to returns, and we really could spend hours and hours and hours on this very first podcast just diving into the challenges with returns. But in the interest of keeping things short for our first episode, we'll... Uh, We'll save that for a rainy day when we've got some other returns nerds with us. Um, but I do think it's important to kind of set the scene of why brands need to care about returns. You know, returns are notoriously underinvested. Retailers put so much effort on their outbound, right? That's where they make their money. That's when they're selling the items. That's where all the investment goes into, which means that you've got drones delivering packages. I don't know if you've seen them where you are, Chloe, but in the UK, there's a few places that have a little robot that deliver Amazon packages. Wow, that's he's so crazy. Scout. Yeah, he's called Scout. He's so cute. He's just like this little robot. And if he like gets stuck on a curb, he just starts shouting for help for anybody that walks by. Like, can you imagine walking down the street and just hearing this little robot go, I am stuck, please help, knowing it's got a little package inside. That's so crazy. It's amazing to see the investment that people are really putting into Outbound. Um, when the same energy is just not being given to returns. You know, people often think, oh, it's just, you know, lost cost, it's sunk cost, um, it's part of doing business. Um, 
but that's really not the case, you know, and the the consumer expectations are also rising at the same time. So they really want to see step-by-step tracking um, down to the last hour when a package will arrive, you know, when it's an outbound package, but also when it's a return package, people really want to know, when am I going to get my refund? And if not, they're going to be calling customer service angry and filing a complaint. Yeah, and that's where there is such a difference between the outbound and the returns journey, right? Like with outbound, you get notifications sometimes to like the 15-minute window of when your parcel is going to be delivered. You've got an option to say, deliver it to my neighbor or leave it in my bin or put it behind my rose bush. Whereas with returns, it's like, well, maybe sometime in the next 28 days, you'll you'll get your refund. If not, we're sorry, we're also going to make it really hard for you to contact us so you can't even chase up your refund. So I think that is quite a polarizing journey for shoppers and where a lot of their frustration comes from. It's like, well, the outbound and the buying process, it was really easy for you to take my money. Why is it now so hard for you to get my get my money back to me? Exactly. Refunds are really a tricky pain point. And this is the actual last communication you're having with your, your customer. Um, you know, so in a way, returns are like the toxic ex-boyfriend, you know, you're breaking up with them, <laughs> you're sending your parcel back, um, and then you you never expect to hear from them. Uh, but then in three months time, they come back and they want you to purchase something again, and they're sending you all of these annoying emails. That is the best analogy of returns I've ever heard of. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. And like when my husband's annoying me now, I'm going to be like, stop being such a return. That's like going to be my new... <laughs> <laughs> Gonna be my new insult. I mean, at Rebound, we love returns, right? But we definitely see a lot of a lot of these journeys about, and there's still a lot of retailers that are that are under investing, and that's really what this podcast is for. So, whether you've already started out on your returns journey and you think you've got it all in hand, or you know your returns journey needs some work and you have absolutely no idea where to start, that's really what we're here to focus on. So with that in mind, let's dive into today's topic, which is going to be peak season. Peak, everyone's favorite word. It's only September and we're already talking about Christmas. How about that? So peak can be quite a terrifying scenario. As we mentioned, outbound generally gets all the focus and investment from retailers. And that is no more true than it is at peak. You're running Black Friday sales, singles day sales, you've got parcels absolutely flying out of the door. And because of that, your warehouse and all of your other teams become absolutely stacked out, focusing on outbound. That means that when inevitably you have returns coming back, they start piling up and you have really no visibility of those returns and what's happening in your returns process. Yeah, when I've been talking to clients conducting case studies, you know, I'm hearing the same thing over and over and over again, that they really only have a limited capacity to actually handle outbound and inbound. So they might have a few um, scanners or a certain amount of space in their warehouse, and it's dedicated to both at the same time. So when they're going crazy trying to get all those outbound shipments going, they just don't have the time to process the inbound return parcels. And that means that refunds are going to be delayed, customers are going to be angry, and it can be really damaging for the brand and its reputation, you know, because if you have that bad experience, you're not going to want to shop again, especially if it's your first time purchasing or if it's, you know, a repeat problem that you've experienced in the past. That's where Rebound has a really big impact, right? You know, but a shameless self-promotion never hurt anybody. But yeah, with Rebound, giving them that visibility so that they can deal with those returns. They do know what's in those parcels. And what that means is even if they don't have the warehouse capacity, they can go ahead and refund their customers. Because 
whilst returns can be costly in terms of getting them back and processing them, there's also a huge cost to returns in terms of the customer service calls. And at peak, when people have bought a gift for Black Friday and it's not right, they want to send it back and repurchase it again for Christmas, you can bet that they're going to be on your customer service team like a bee to a flower trying to get their refund back so they can buy something again in time for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've been seeing with our own data that uh, it's getting hairier every year. So on the 28th of November, 2022, there was a 308% um, increase in products that were returned versus an average day in 2021. Um, And this is a 26% overall increase in returns year on year. So that's a pretty big issue and something that Uh, should jolt brands into thinking, okay, I really need to be focusing more on how to optimize returns and how to provide a better experience to my customers. Yeah, returns went through a really weird phase for a few years as well. Like during the pandemic and post-pandemic, we're really only seeing that recovery now. We're we're really covering all the the bad piece today, peak and pandemic, but (laughs) there we are. Um, In that, you know, during the pandemic, people were buying loungewear that fit. It was really you didn't you know have anything that was had a really rigid zip on it or a or a tailored suit you could just get away with baggy clothes so size and fit wasn't as much as an issue so retailers could have a bit of an easier ride in that respect when it came to returns whereas now weddings are back christmas parties are back nobody knows what size they are because they were all either a couch potato or an absolute fitness fanatic during the pandemic and a lot of obviously the pandemic two years so people have naturally grown and changed sizes so they're really trying to relearn brand sizing and because of that returns are going up as a result yeah and i think that there's three key areas that really need um some tlc when we're talking about peak so first of all the surge itself there's a lack of this physical ability like i mentioned before to actually process packages at the same speed as they are able to be processed during the rest of the year And then there's also the carrier complexity. So it can be really challenging to manage a variety of different carriers who are sending their data in different ways. So the data is not aggregated. This can make it harder to actually pinpoint when an issue comes up. Like, for example, a carrier going on strike and returns being kind of caught in a bottleneck somewhere. So this is one of the main, main problems. And also the customer experience, as we keep coming back to. During peak, it's just as important as during the rest of the year. So brands need to find a way to create a smooth return experience, not only the other points of the year, but also during that peak season, which is really important to customers. Carriers going on strike over peak. Whoever heard of such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that also can impact customer experience in itself, right? Because we see it every year, carriers are advising, oh, if you want to make sure people get their Christmas presents, you've got to make sure you've ordered them by this time. These are the last shipping dates, last time to get your order. And like, again, really focused on outbound. And yet shoppers that aren't aware of the kind of global logistics that go into these things won't necessarily make the associations that like, oh, this carrier is on strike, therefore my return is going to take longer. So it's really up to the brand to make those communications and also have a backup plan in place so that their returns aren't too heavily impacted because it's just the part of the journey that doesn't translate to the customer. Yeah, exactly. And if we're looking at customer expectations, um, research shows that if returns aren't free, 49% of consumers would rather have return costs deducted from a refund 
60% of shoppers expect their refund back within three days or less. And clearly, many brands are just missing the mark on this all year round, and especially during peak when they're buying more than ever. So their refunds and and returns are going to be top of mind. It's... I think important then that we outline to retailers, you know, what can they really do with this? So if customers want their refund back within three days, as you mentioned, that's a very tall order for for brands to hit. So what do we recommend to brands to implement for peak so that they can really, even if they're not able to process the returns and get them back on sale, what's the best option for them to ensure that they get their refund back quickly? You know, we recommend basically using some sort of a refund trigger where, you know, you're examining the inbound parcel locally, um, you're checking what's inside, and if it's the correct item and it's coming back in a decent condition, then you just trigger the refund automatically. So it doesn't need to get back to your DC or, you know, wherever you're you're sending your outbound from. It can just be registered locally and confirm that the correct items inside. So then there's no risk to the business, but also the customer is getting a refund really fast and that's making them happy. The refund part that you mentioned is really interesting, Chloe, and I think consumers are really struggling to know when to anticipate their refunds. Like I mentioned earlier, brands are advertising, oh, you'll get your refund back in 28 days, which if you've bought something like a Christmas present in the Black Friday sale, it means that if you're then returning it, there's not a good enough chance that you're going to get your refund back so that you can replace that item before Christmas. And these days, not everybody has loads of disposable income lying around that they can just buy loads of items and sit around and wait on their refunds, right? And that also creates a problem for brands that if people are buying stuff in the Black Friday sales, they're sending them back. The brands don't have visibility of what's in those items. They're not processing them in time to resell them for Christmas. And that's when they end up having loads of Christmas jumpers lying around in January that they don't really know what to do with. So something that can help actually figure out what's coming back into your warehouse, um, as well as providing a better customer experience, is really creating um, a transparent line of communication with your customers. And one way to do this is um, through a returns portal. So people can log on, register a return, that notifies the brand, okay, I'm going to be getting back, as you mentioned, maybe this Christmas jumper. um, So they can plan what types of stock they're going to be ordering. At the same time, the customer can log into the returns portal and actually see end-to-end tracking of their return. So they know, okay, it's, you know, headed here, I'm going to get my refund at this time. And that can really reduce the amount of customer service complaints that are being sent because they have no reason to submit them in the first place. So before we wrap up with our three takeaways and a preview of what's in our next episode, let's do our weird return segment, aka you found what in the box? (laughs) That's right. Each episode, we'll share a story of a surprising item that was accidentally returned by a customer. I can already tell this is going to be my favorite part. I'm like, this is definitely what everybody's been hanging around for. All this time I've been talking, they've been like, tell me the weird return. (laughs) So, Chloe, imagine you're in a warehouse, you're opening a return. What is the worst thing that you can imagine finding in a parcel? Well, I can think of a lot of weird and disgusting things, but I probably should not be mentioning them on a podcast. So (laughs) for the sake of this episode, uh, let's just say uh, hmm, maybe like a soggy shoe that was stepped in, you know, let's just say dog excrement. 
<laughs> I mean, that'd be absolutely gross for sure. But I, I mean, at least that's some clothing and you can understand the the process of like, they bought these shoes. Maybe they're just trying to get away with a, with a refund. But that, yeah, that would be gross. Um, not as gross as food. Ooh, food. Why would someone even return something food related? I don't know. And you think about it as well, if, especially if it's coming back like cross-border, it's going to have sat getting all sweaty and gross in the parcel. Like, oh my gosh, like rotting and, oh, ooh. That's just like the ultimate, I hate you to the brand, isn't it? Like to go to the effort of sending food. And not only food, a raw chicken carcass. No way. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Someone actually returned a raw chicken carcass. Yep. And... This is what is baffling to me because the only time I have had a chicken carcass in my home is after I've like made my Sunday lunch and I've carved up the chicken. Maybe I'm, I'm not a big chef, so maybe you can correct me because you're a much better cook than I am. But <laughs> why would you have a raw chicken carcass? Like, why have you gone to the effort of like when it's raw carving it up? Like, Honestly, I don't understand that. I mean, I love cooking and I consider myself a foodie, but I can't really think of a good reason why you'd have a raw chicken carcass because you could just go to the butcher and get them to butcher a whole a whole chicken if you really need it. I don't know why any home chef would be butchering a raw chicken and then sending a carcass back to a brand in place of a <laughs> pair of shoes or whatever love- they bought. <laughs> I love that, that that was the part that we were really questioning. It's like, well, why would you just, why would you carve up a chicken? <laughs> Not that, and then why would you put it in a return parcel and send it back to a to a brand? Oh. Like that is disgusting. And it's going to have sat in their warehouse and probably smells and has flies. Like that is like an ultimate horror show. Like you can feel, you can probably feel it really gross in the parcel and oh. you just tip it out and this absolute disgusting. I mean, that's honestly probably a biohazard that would even shut a warehouse down for a while. I can I imagine. Would... It's concerning. You don't even know what type of, of carcass it is in the beginning, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, also maybe not even knowing where it's come from. Like if it's come cross-border, that can actually very be a very real challenge. That's true. I would just not have the stomach for that. I would just control, alt, delete my job at that point and be like, <laughs> do you know what? <laughs> this is not This is not worth it. I think... People that work in the warehouses processing returns probably have some stories. Oh. With that in mind, if you are listening to this and have any weird return stories that you would like to share with us, you can email us at podcast at reboundreturns.com. Share your weird return stories. We will keep them completely anonymous, whether that's you as a brand has received something super weird or you as a shopper has done something super weird. We want to hear them all. And uh, with that in mind, let's jump to our summaries of today, what we actually learned on this podcast and what we want you to take away with you after listening to it. So Laura, uh, do you want to start off by letting our listeners know what are our three main points today that can kind of help them get over the hump of peak and really make it a success this year? Yeah, absolutely. The first one is definitely to be smart, look at your returns data, understand what's coming back to you and why, so that you can get your customers refunded. Even if you don't have the capacity to process those returns and get them back on sale right now, get the customers refunded so that your customer service teams aren't suffering as a result. Another tip is definitely to plan ahead. Get partners in place early. It means that you can pivot if needed. So we mentioned having to manage all these different carriers, getting a partner like Rebound. There's that shameless self-promotion again. <laughs> getting a partner like Rebound will really mean that you're not stuck if a carrier goes on strike or the world 
freezes and everything stops. You know, we've had it before. Volcanoes have gone off and flights have been disrupted. It really means that you've got options available to you. And finally, stay in contact with your customers. Let them know what this is going to mean, not just from an outbound perspective, but from a returns perspective. If a carrier goes on strike, returns are impacted too. When are they going to get their refund? And really helping them to understand the process. I've seen it in return policies where brands have said, you will, it will take 10 days for items to get back to us. Then it will take us 14 days for it to process it. And then it will take three to five days for it to arrive in your bank. Don't leave your shoppers to do maths. Just be clear. Say, if it's going to be 28 days, say it's going to be 28 days. Yes, that's a long time, but at least then you've not got customers calling you up saying, well, you said it would take 10 days to get back to you. Be really clear with your customers up front. That's all the time we have for this episode. But hey, Laura, what's on the agenda for next time? What are we going to be looking at? Next episode, I'm super excited for because I get to talk about all of my lovely experiences as a shopper. We're going to be talking about customer experience in the next episode. What do shoppers want from a returns experience? What are retailers offering in terms of a returns experience? And where retailers and brands really need to focus to make sure that their customer experience is hitting the mark and that they're not being outdone by the competition when it comes to returns. Don't forget to hit subscribe. And if you have any questions, you can send us a note on podcast at reboundreturns.com. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. And thanks to Chloe for being my glamorous co-host today. We'll see you next time on the next episode of the Returns Unboxed podcast. <laughs>